Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you here once again as we turn our hearts to the Word of God. It is always a privilege for me to stand before you to share the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. Last Sunday, we had uh, our special guest, our brother Sam Ulbrandt, a uh, missionary to Croatia, giving us a great testimony of all that the Lord is doing in that country. And I believe this week he has already departed to Croatia, back to that country to continue uh, his missionary efforts. Let us continue to pray for our brother Sam Umbrandt, his wife, his children. May the Lord continue to bless them with fruitfulness in their missionary efforts in the country of Croatia. Today, however, we are resuming our message series on thinking biblically. Today, we are going to address the last topic on our list of subjects that uh, we are addressing during this message series on thinking biblically. We are going to be specifically today speaking on that last bullet you see on the screen about race, racism, and reparations. It is a very broad and comprehensive topic and we do not believe that we will be able to comprise, to cram all the teachings on those three subjects into one service. So, God willing, what we will do is that today we would have part one of this message focusing specifically on race and racism in the world. And next week, God willing, I will return to be here with you to conclude this message addressing specifically racism in the church and reparations. So instead of having just one message where we will certainly be keeping you over time, we would have just two shorter messages, and I'm sure you appreciate that as we would have this today and concluding next Sunday morning uh, as the Lord permits. At this time, we are going to go to the Lord as we will read the scriptures for our basic passage for our message this morning. If you are able, let us all stand in the presence of the Lord as we are going to read from the book of Acts in chapter 17. Our basic portion for today is from verses 24 through 28. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 through 28, those of you watching at home or listening, I would encourage you to follow along with your Bible as we are going to read from Acts chapter 17. I'll read most of the verses for us, but I'll ask you to read the final slide with me. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28, the Bible says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Let us read these verses together. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 
for in him we live and move and exist. As we are going to go to the Lord in prayer, I would ask you to especially keep in mind verse 26. As the Bible tells us, God made from one man every nation of mankind. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the everlasting power of your eternal word. We pray, Father, that your scriptures would be ministering to us this morning and that you would open our, open our eyes to your truth. May we be edified according to what you have already designated and apportioned for us this Sunday morning you are giving us. Bless us now, we pray, in the study of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. First, if we are to begin to think biblically about the subject at hand, we want to be thinking biblically first about race. How do you define race? If someone were to ask you, what is race? What would you say? I remember as a child in elementary school learning that there were four races. White, yellow, red, and black. However, truth be told, uh, that is not very correct. That is not true at all. If we are going to be thinking biblically according to what we find in the Word of God, we understand that race being defined as according to different colors of the skin, that is simply a social construct. A social construct is something that really does not exist. But when someone begins speaking as if it is true, and when enough people begin to repeat it as though it is true, then it begins to be accepted by society in general. That is a social construct. Race being defined as according to presumably the different colors of our skin is a social construct. It is not based on reality. And if we are to understand what race is based on what God tells us in his word, we must come to this conclusion. If we are to think biblically about race, then we must conclude that there is only one race, and that is the human race. Race, according to God, is not defined according to the color of your skin or your ethnicity. But race, according to God, is defined by our origins. How did all human beings come to be? Where did we all come from? Race has to do with origins, where we were all originated. According to the Word of God, in Genesis in chapter 1, all human race, all mankind, is created in God's image. God gives us the special characteristics as members of the human race to be created in His image. There is no difference. All men are created equal. All men and women are created equal in the eyes of God as we have been created in His image. As we have just read in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, from one man, God created all mankind. And that man was Adam, the first man created. From Adam, God created all of us. Therefore, we must say that we are all the race of Adam. We are all members of one single race, one unique race, the race of all of us human beings. And God gave us a very special characteristics that mark us 
as members of the human race. All of us, all mankind is created in God's image. In Genesis in chapter 1 beginning verse 26, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created mankind. All of us members of the human race, we were created in the image of God. What does that mean that God has created all human beings in his image? It simply means that all of us were created as spiritual beings. We were created with a soul. We were created according to the grace of God with the ability to commune with him, to have fellowship with him. Because as Jesus says in John chapter 4 verse 24, God is a spirit. And all those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God gave all of us members of the human race as he began creation, as he began to create men with Adam and Eve, he gave them the ability to commune with him. They were created in perfect innocence, without sin, in his image so that they would be able to commune with the Lord. Each and every one of us was created according to the image of God. All other creatures, all other creation in the animal kingdom was not created according to the image of God. By the Bible we understand that all other creatures, they, the Bible tells us that their life is in their blood. That is in Leviticus chapter 17 verses 11 and 14. Once an animal dies and their heart stops beating, once the blood stops circulating in the body of an animal, that animal ceases to exist. I know I'm, I am upsetting some of you who are dog lovers or cat lovers, but I'm sorry. Disney has lied to you. Our dogs do not go to heaven. All animals, they cease to exist once their blood stops circulating. We too die. Our bodies may die, but we do not cease to exist. Why? Because we have been created. The human race was created in accordance to God's image. We have a spiritual component in us. Our bodies may die and be buried, but our souls continue to live forever. Whether you are a Christian or not, whether you are a believer or not, your soul will live forever. Of course, the big difference is that only those who believe in God according to the scriptures will live forever in the presence of God. If you do not believe in God, you will live forever, but unfortunately in a place completely separated from God and from his glory and from his presence. God gave each and every human being the privilege of being created in his image. And notice that in this verse, the Bible also tells us that God created Adam and Eve according not only to his image, but also according to his likeness. Being created in the likeness of God has to do with being created according to God's morals, according to God's holiness. They were created innocent. They were created without sin. Unfortunately, as Adam and Eve committed sin, as Adam and Eve fell, they lost God's likeness in their lives. And we inherit that loss, each and every one of us, human beings, members of the human race. As the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, because Adam sinned, all have sinned, and separated we are from the glory of God. 
We have lost his likeness, but none of us have lost his image. We continue to be God's image bearers because we have a spiritual component, our souls within us. The entire earth is filled with God's image bearers who are related to one another. All of us remember Acts 17, 26, our basic text that says that God created all mankind from one man. There is only one race, the human race, that God created stemming from Adam and Eve. And all of us are created with the privilege of bearing God's image within. The Bible tells us in verse 27 and 28, male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and, multi and multiply and fill the earth. God from one man created all mankind and they were to populate all the earth. It is interesting for us to note that it is such a privilege that God has created us different than all the other creatures. We have become the crown of God's creation because he created us in his image. It is impossible and it is absurd for me to consider any other human being to be superior or to be inferior just on the basis of the color of their skin or their nationality or their ethnicity. Because all of us are important and of value before the eyes of God. All of us were created as members of just one race, the human race, in the image of God. And this is so important to the Lord that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 9 that bearing God's image gives men inherent worth and value. We are valuable in the eyes of God because he has created us in his image. In fact, here in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, The Lord says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? Because in the image of God he made man. In this verse is God's endorsement of capital punishment. Because God gives no one the right to murder. In fact, that is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, what does God say? He says, he, he says in that verse, thou shalt not murder. And why? For in the image of God he made men. No one has the right to murder anyone, even from conception, even from inside the womb. If we are to consider and recognize the word of God, abortion is murder and God values each and every soul that is conceived within a mother's womb. The Bible tells us that each and every one of us bear the image of God and we have as such inherent value and worthiness before the eyes of the Lord. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they fell, and because of the fall, sin was multiplied on earth. The sinfulness of men came to such a level that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, that God was sorry to have created men. He grieved in his heart to have created men, and verse 7 says, that God determined, he decided that he would blot out man from the earth. Such was the sinfulness that was appalling God in the lives of the race he created, the human race, 
through Adam. And because of it, God determined that he would destroy all inhabitants of the earth through a flood, through a flood of waters. However, God also gave grace to one man. And who was he? He was Noah. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. He found grace in the eyes of God. And because Noah received direction from God to build an ark in which he, his wife, his three sons and their wives would escape the flooding waters, the Bible tells us that the human race that was on the brink of extinction because of the flood continued through the lives of Noah and his family. God did not exterminate the original human race that he created through Adam and then created a different race or different races. No, it is still the very same race that God created from the beginning. Yes, the vast majority of inhabitants of the earth, the very majority of the members of the human race were exterminated through the flood. But God allowed the human race to continue through Noah's family. And because of this, it is true for us to be able to say, also in Genesis chapter 9, that the entire post-flood earth is filled with God's image bearers who are our, our relatives. The Bible tells us in verse 7, As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. The same commandment that God had given to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth, now that all inhabitants of the earth were dead because of the flood, except for Noah and his sons, the Bible then gives the same commandment to them, to them, be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth abundantly. The Bible says in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 9, now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. The human race began with Adam. The human race came to the brink of extinction because of the flood, but, God, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And through him and his family, the human race continued. And through his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all the earth is populated to this day. All of us are descendants of Shem and Ham and Japheth. So in a very real sense, we are all related. We're all cousins. Hi, cuz. Hi, cuz. Those of you watching, hi, cuz. We're all cousins. Truth be told, if we are going to go back, way back to the beginning, there's just one race, all of us coming from the same ancestors. Even today, as nations, all mankind is related. As the Bible tells us in Genesis in chapter 10, these are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies, by their nations. And out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. The world was created 
6,000 years ago. I am sure that if you have read the Bible and believe the Lord, you don't fall for the falsehoods of evolution that tells you that this earth is millions or billions of years old. Creation is very young. It is about 6,000 years old. And the Bible tells us that from that time, around 4,500, 4,600 years ago when the flood took place, that God then created all the families of the earth from our original ancestors. We all came from Shem, Ham, or Japheth. And the Bible says that according to their genealogies, the nations were formed. Because, of course, after being on earth for thousands and thousands of years, there was, as God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, many, 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 many children have been born to them. And here we are. Today, there are 195 nations in the world, 196 if you consider Taiwan an independent nation, 196 nations, many foreign languages, but we all go back to the same beginning. We all have many genealogies. And what is genealogy? Genealogy, it is a trace of your ancestors back to the beginning. All of us have a genealogy. But all of us, if we were to have a true and complete genealogy, we would all be back to Shem or Ham or Japheth. In fact, speaking of genealogies, you probably have read this verse in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29, when the Apostle Paul says this, Otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why then are they baptized for them? In this verse, the Apostle Paul speaks about the baptism for the dead. What did he mean? He was simply meaning that those who were new converts, they had been brought to Christ through someone else. Someone else who was in the faith had shared the gospel with another person, and that person had followed the Lord. And because the Apostle Paul was trying to convince the Corinthians that there was resurrection, that Christ was risen from the dead, that if there was no resurrection, if Christ was not risen from the dead, our faith is completely in vain, the Apostle Paul was saying that those who are new converts and they are being baptized, if there is really no resurrection, he was speaking to those who had led them to Christ. If they had already passed away before the moment that the new convert would be baptized, he was saying, why are you going to go through with being baptized since if there is no resurrection, why continue in the faith? If there is no resurrection, the person who preached the gospel to you, if they have already passed away, then they don't even exist anymore. Why continue in this new faith that you have just embraced? Unfortunately, there are those who misinterpret what the Apostle Paul is speaking here about the baptism for the dead. And among them is the Mormon church, the church of the Latter-day Saints. To this date, they practice what they call to be the baptism for the dead. They misinterpret completely what the Apostle Paul says here. They practice the baptism for the dead based on genealogies. They believe that it is possible if they do their research and they find who their ancestors were, if they find anyone in their families who are not saved, they then make a profession of faith for the dead. And then they are baptized for the dead, believing that even though that ancestor was 
dead without salvation, if they make a profession of faith for them and they are baptized for them, they can save their lost soul after death. A heretical practice. However, because of that, of that belief, the Mormons have gathered one of the world's largest genealogical databases with information on all their ancestors as far as they could go so that they could more appropriately practice the baptism for the dead. They can provide the information to their members as to their genealogical database information. Well, have you seen this man before? Do you know who he is? You might not know him by name, but he is a Mormon. He is a member of the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And 30 years ago, in 1990, he created an online system based tapping into the gigantic genealogical database that his church had created to allow its members to be baptized on behalf of the dead. And he saw an opportunity to make money and he wanted to make his online system available to the world if they only were to pay a fee. And with that idea, this man, his name is Paul Allen, he became the CEO and founder of Ancestry.com. What is interesting is that people who would subscribe to those services, they did not realize that indirectly they were supporting the Mormon church. And their efforts to practice the baptism for the dead. Today, Ancestry.com is no longer under the control of Mr. Allen and its Mormon founders. It was sold last year in 2020 in August to a private company for $4.7 billion. An incredible amount of money that benefited the lies of a deceitful religion. Yes, it is interesting to receive your genealogical report from Ancestry.com. You see many of your ancestors, close ancestors, knowing your nationality, knowing your, the, the ethnicities in your family. But it is just upsetting to realize that this was created based on something that is completely anti-biblical, that benefited so many following a lie. And ironically, God has a genealogical report for you completely for free. Because God says in Genesis chapter 9, Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. I am here to tell you in the name of God that you came from Shem or Ham or Japheth. Case closed. Yes. It is always better to stick with God. Shem and Ham and Japheth. From Shem came the Semites, those of Middle Eastern descent, including the Jews and the Arabs and those who abide in those regions. From Ham came the Hamites, and eventually they would migrate into the African continent. And in time, as their population grew, they developed a darker skin. They would also migrate to the Americas from Africa, not out of their free will, but through slavery. Especially here to America, in August of 1619, the first slave ship came from Africa to the state of Virginia. 
So the Hamites are those who eventually developed a darker skin and they comprise what wrongfully in the world is called the black race. And thirdly, Japheth. Japheth, he migrated to the regions that today we would call Europe and also Asia. They, as their population grew, they developed a white or lighter skin color and eventually they would also migrate to the Americas. Not through slavery, but through the efforts, the colonization efforts of many explorers, from, especially from Portugal and Spain, such as Christopher Columbus. So all mankind came from one man, Adam, after the flood from Noah and his three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth. Still one single race. However, God is the one responsible for separate nations or ethnicities. As the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 32, in verse 8 it says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries. God separated the nations. Only one race, many nations. And how did that happen? Why did God separate the members of the human race into many nations? If you have read your Bible, you have read Genesis in chapter 11. And you have read that, that incident when God had given the commandment for men to be fruitful and multiply and to be spread throughout the world. However, we see in Genesis in chapter 11, the incident of the Tower of Babel, where men in disobedience to God did not want to move from that region. And they began to build a high tower, as they said, to touch the heavens. God, as a measure of discipline to their disobedience, the Lord came and he confused their language. Up until that point, there was only one language that man was speaking. But at that point, and you can read this in Genesis in chapter 11, God mixed the languages and confused their language and created the foreign languages as we know them today. In such a way that men who were building the Tower of Babel, they could no longer communicate with each other. And so they had to be scattered by force because of what God did each go into the same group with affinity according to their language so that they could understand one another. God is the one who divided the human race into nations. As we read in Acts chapter 17, God created from one man every nation ethnicity on earth today. Verse 26 says, God made from one man every nation of mankind. Do you see that word nation on that verse? In the original, the words, the word used was the word ethnos. Ethnos in Greek means nation. And so ethnos is the word from which we take the word, we form the word ethnicity. It simply means that Many nations were created as a result of God's discipline, as God disciplining men for their disobedience. Our ethnicity. Many confuse race with ethnicity. Race has to do with origin. We all came from Adam. We all came from the sons of Noah. However, as God separated the human race into many different languages and scattered them, 
as a result of his discipline over them, many nations were created in the sense that ethnicity has to do with cultural identification. The nation or the nations your family comes from. What was God's purpose in dividing them into nations of many ethnicities? Of course, we have already seen that the first reason why God did so was because they were disobeying God and they were building the Tower of Babel as opposed to being scattered and populating the entire earth. But even in his discipline of man, God was still extending an olive branch of reconciliation. One very important reason why God is scattered man over the earth, but is still giving men a sign of his forgiveness, of his grace, is in what we read in Acts chapter 17. It says, God having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Yes, God scattered mankind throughout the earth because they were disobedient to him. But even so, God was still extending his hand of forgiveness that they would seek God. Even in their disobedience, God wanted them to know that he was still not far from them and they would be able to come back and be reconciled to him. No matter your nationality, no matter the ethnicity, your family belongs to or you belong to. It is time for each and every one of us, it is time for you to seek the Lord. That is the main reason why God created the human race, for us to seek him and to glorify his name. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6, Seek the Lord while he can be found. Call upon him while he is still near. 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9 says that if you seek God, he will let you find him. He wants to be reconciled with you. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says that if we seek the Lord with all of our hearts, we will always find him. If you are tired of a life of sin, if you are tired of a life of disappointments, of an errant life without much meaning, Jesus calls you and says that you are forgiven if you repent of your sin. For this reason, God has created the human race to commune with him as he has created us in his image, given us the privilege to commune with his spirit and to worship him. God is truly the common focal point of every person's existence. He is the reason why we live and breathe. As we read in verse 28, in him we live, in him we move, in him we exist. No matter who you are, the created God has formed you in your mother's womb for you to follow him, for you to seek him, and for his name to be glorified in your life. What does the Bible say about race? It says that there is only one human race created to worship God and to glorify his name. If that is a definition, since there is only one race, what can we do to think biblically about racism? It doesn't make sense. Let us all go home right now because racism is ignorant. 
ignorant of the truth of the Bible. There are not many races. There is no one superior or inferior to other because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity. There is only one race. And we are all valuable in the eyes of God because we were created in His image. However, because most people still associate race with skin color, unfortunately that has indeed created racism. And so we will see what the Bible has to say about it. If we were to define racism, what would we say? If you were to respond to this question, what is racism? How would you explain it? We can define racism this way. Racism is prejudice, a preconceived idea, or discrimination against a person or people on the basis of their skin color or ethnicity. According to the belief that each race possesses abilities specific to that skin color, and those abilities distinguish that race as superior or inferior to another race. There is only one race, but if I am of the errant, of the mistaking assumption that race has to do with the different colors of skin, then I will be acting according to the belief that each race possesses the specific abilities to that respective race. And if I am a racist, I will also believe that depending on the color of your skin, you are superior to me or I am superior to you simply because of your color or simply because of your ethnicity, the nation or nations that your family comes from. A racist will judge a person according to a stereotype. A racist does not need to know a person to really know who that person is. A racist is satisfied in only knowing the color of your skin. And according to that color, a racist will define who you are. A racist is not interested in judging you according to the contents of your character. But a racist is only interested in judging you according to the color of your skin. I remember almost 40 years ago when I was graduating from school, I became a civil engineer technician and I was hired to participate in the construction of the international airport in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. And one day I was going to the job site with a co-worker in his car, he was driving, and all of a sudden as we are on the road, someone cut us in the middle of the traffic. And he had to swerve the wheel and he had to stump on the brakes just to avoid the accident. But thank God nothing happens and the person cut in front of us. And after all, everything calmed down. I looked at him and I'll never forget the first words that came out of his mouth. He looked at me and he said, I'm not surprised that he did that. Did you see his collar? I'm not surprised that he did that. Did you see his collar? And I, being black, I was saying, I didn't know what to say. What was he going to say about me? Obviously, without knowing the person, all that he needed to know to define who that person was, was to know that, yes, the driver who had cut in front of us was a black man of a very dark skin. And that is all that he needed to know. A racist will judge anyone according to a stereotype. 
with a preconceived idea, with discriminatory investigations. I just need to know the color of your skin. And a racist will not only judge you according to the color of your skin, but also according to your ethnicity, according to your nationality. If I say, all Mexicans are bad people, I am a racist. Racism is not only related to discrimination because of a color of the skin, but also if I have discrimination because of the person's ethnicity, where their family comes from. For me to say in a broad brush that all Mexicans are bad people, it is ignorant. It is something that should never be said because I do not know them all. And I know, and I should know, that a person's color does not determine their character and who they are. Unfortunately, because racism became so rampant and spread, even in this country, through the perils of slavery and even through the years of the civil rights movement, in the mid-1970s, a group of black legal scholars, they developed a new philosophy in response to the racism from whites against blacks. They developed a philosophy called critical race theory, or CRT. And CRT basically says that racism is unavoidable. If you are white, whether you know it or not, you are a racist. Because you are always motivated by your racism. Because racism gives you a sense of superiority. You feel better than others. And so whether you admit it or not, by the simple fact that you are white, you are a racist. That's CRT for you. In a nutshell, that is critical race theory. And incredibly, CRT is being taught even in our public schools to our small children. Based on such flawed philosophy, it came a sense of what is called today a sense of wokeness. You need to stay woke. It is horribly grammatically incorrect. <laughs> you need to stay awake, but that's stuck. And you need to stay woke to the racism that is all around you. Racism in social injustice, in police brutality, in inequalities. And the reality it is that even though the sense, this sense of presumed wokeness to the racism that surrounds everyone who is not white, it has come full circle that because racism was so rampant from whites to blacks, that this day it is also a very unfortunate thing for us to have to admit that there is also racism from blacks to white. And there is even racism against others in this era of COVID-19. There is even racism against others simply because of their nationality. The racism against Asians, the racism against those of Chinese descent, and on and on and on and on. What are we to say to all of this? How are we to think biblically about racism, about all these philosophies? Are we to embrace CRT? Are we to embrace the separations of mankind according to the color of their skin? No, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. You better follow the Lord and follow Christ alone. 
We are all created equal in the image of God. Let us not fall for the philosophies of men. Let us not fall for the lies of this world. We have all been created by the Lord. And even after mankind, the human race has lost its likeness to God because of sin, God continues to extend his olive branch. He sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. For this we were created, not for us to be divided into different skin colors. We were created to magnify and glorify the name of the Lord. If we are to think biblically about racism in the world, what is our response? Next week, God willing, as I said, unfortunately, we would have to address about racism in the church, which is even more unfathomable. But if we are to address racism in the world, we are specifically talking about people who do not know the Lord, people who do not have the Holy Spirit within. And so, do we see racism in the world, in those who are not believers, in those who are not Christians? Unfortunately, the answer is yes, undeniably yes. There are a lot of racism, racist ideas out there. However, for those who do not know the Lord, and presumably they would just be basing their statements or their beliefs in science, they do not have science to support their beliefs. Because racism denies science. Genetic science reveals that every person has far more in common than we are different. According to genetic science, the maximum genetic variation between individual human beings is only 1.6%, and, and the average genetic variation is only 0.5%. If we were to conduct a genetic testing, as technology has increased, as science has improved, as modern technological advancements have occurred, Man is now able to do genetic testing or DNA testing, able to see into the DNA of a person, a DNA meaning deoxyribonucleic acid, which is a molecule in the nucleus of the trillions of cells inside your, your human body. And our DNA contains the information necessary for the creation of the human body. When you were conceived in your mother's womb, your DNA transmitted all the information that was used to form you. And 99% of that DNA information that abides in me, abides in you, we are all the same. That 0.5%, that 1% accounts for the difference in our hair, or in the width of our nose, or in the color of our eyes, or the color of our skin. It is a minuscule difference, but in the vast majority, 99%, our DNA is the same as the person sitting next to us. 99% of the DNA in your cells is the same as anyone else out there. And for that reason, we are essentially 99%, 99.5% similar to each other. Racism is essentially hating your own close relative. Remember, hey, cousin, you are basically hating someone who is just like you, and that is what racism is. Racism is truly ignorant, an ignorant practice. 
How can anyone think that another person is inferior to them just because of the color of their skin? The color of our skin is determined by a pigment in our skin called melanin. Those who have more melanin, they develop a darker skin color. If you have, as Vody Bakum would say, if you are melanin challenged, you have a lighter skin color. You are white or lighter. The color of your skin does not determine your character. In fact, there are many people out there who unfortunately suffer with a disease called vitiligo, in which the cells in your body, certain cells do not carry the melanin necessary that you have for the other parts of your body for your skin to have a uniform color. But they begin to have blotches of white, of colorless skin because of vitiligo. And so what is the verdict? That if they are white, if they, that vitiligo even happens in people who are of black skin, of black color. So what does that mean? That they are inferior on the parts of their body that are black and, and on the other parts they are superior? It makes no sense whatsoever. One would think that racism can only exist in the minds of those who are uneducated. One would think that racism is an education problem. But you know what? It's not. There are people with high levels of education who are still enamored by racist ideas. And I give you one poignant example. Do you know that in the history of all U.S. presidents, only one has held a Ph.D. degree? From George Washington up to Joe Biden, no U.S. president has held a Ph.D. degree except for one, this man. Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president of the United States. He is the only one to have achieved a PhD degree from Johns Hopkins University. But did you also know that during his presidency, a movie theater was built in the White House? A movie theater that exists in the White House even today. And do you know what was the very first movie shown at the White House to President Wilson and his cabinet? It was this movie. The Birth of a Nation, The Klansmen, a movie in honor of the Ku Klux Klan. And after the movie, President Wilson had words of praise for the KKK. He said, the white men were roused by a mere instinct of self-preservation until at last there had sprung into existence a great Ku Klux Klan, a veritable empire of the South to protect the southern country, Woodrow Wilson. His high level of education was not sufficient to save him from white supremacy and racist ideas. On the other hand, do you know which U.S. president did not even have one year of formal education? He did not even go to school for one year. It was Abraham Lincoln. The 16th president of the United States did not have 12 months of formal education. He did not have a high school diploma. Yes, it is true that he read on his own for the bar exam and he passed the Illinois State Bar Exam in 1836 to become a lawyer. But Lincoln never attended law school. He never attended university. He didn't have a high school diploma. And yet, on September 22, 1862, 
Using the powers of his fan as president, he signed a very important executive order. And do you know what that was? It was this. It was the Emancipation Proclamation, in which he declared the end of legal slavery of all blacks in the United States, effective January 1st, 1863. Little did he know that by signing that executive order, he was also signing his own death sentence as soon he would be assassinated because of it. Whether you have a PhD degree or not even a high school diploma, racism is not an education problem. Racism is a sin problem. And even if you call yourself a Christian, and you know that you know that you know that sometimes, like my co-worker in Brazil, you are tempted to judge someone just because of the color of their skin, I'll tell you, there is salvation for you. Jesus brings deliverance to your heart, to your mind, to your understanding. Because all of us were created equal in the eyes of God, in his image, for the glory of his name, so that we would continue to commune with him through the presence of his Holy Spirit within us. What are you thinking? Are you thinking biblically about race and racism? Next week, God willing, we will conclude this message. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace upon our lives, Lord, that for you have opened our eyes to your truth, to the understanding that we are all brothers and sisters, to the understanding that you have created one race, the human race, in your image, with an inherent worth and value before your eyes. We thank you, Father, for the, this revelation of truth to our hearts, and I pray even now, if there is anyone, Lord, who is ever tempted with racism towards another skin color or towards another ethnicity, nationality. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring deliverance and set this person free. That the truth of your word would reign supreme in his or her heart. Bless us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless.